Welcome to the Flowered Path. In the 8th century, bolstered by the rise of Islam, the iconoclasts greatly opposed the use and veneration of religious icons. St. John Damascene argued passionately and successfully for the continued use and honor of religious imagery. Among his many poignant arguments in favor of icons, the saint wrote, Often, doubtless, when we have not our Lord's passion in mind and see the image of Christ's crucifixion, his saving passion is brought back to remembrance, and we fall down and worship not the material but that which is imaged. Just as we do not worship the material of which the Gospels are made, nor the material of the cross, but that which these typify. This is the power of an image. It can remind us of the righteous acts, sacrifices, and holy works of those great people who came before. It was the power of one image, that of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which drew St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows away from the distractions of the material world and into the life of a religious. And yet another, an image of St. Andrew Bobila, which is credited with aiding St. Gabriel's miraculous healing in his youth. Francesco Pacenti was born in Assisi, Italy, March 1, 1838. He was the eleventh of thirteen children born to his parents, Sante and Agnes. Francesco Pacenti was baptized on the day of his birth in the same baptismal font in which St. Francis of Assisi was christened. After moving to Spoleto, the Pacenti family was struck with tragedy early in Francis's life. Two of his sisters and his mother had died by the time Francis was four years old. Francis was educated first by the Christian brothers and then the Jesuits. He had a likable personality and did well in school, with a good reputation for both charity and piety. He was also rather vain, spending hours preparing for parties and dances. As he grew into a young adult, Francis was a fixture of the Spoleto social scene, earning himself the nickname of The Dancer. Likewise, he was appreciated by the fairer sex, went on frequent dates, and was, at one time, engaged to two different women. Despite his social status and popularity, Francis was drawn to the religious life. Even at a young age, he felt that was his path. However, the distractions of the world are many. At the age of 14, Francis became seriously ill. He prayed for the intercession of the Blessed Virgin, promising that if she would obtain his cure, he would enter a religious order. Francis was quickly cured and returned to full health. He soon forgot his promise. While on a hunting expedition with some friends, a bullet narrowly missed Francis, which caused him to renew his promise. Again, this was soon forgotten, and he returned to the secular world. At 16, Francis was afflicted with a throat abscess, which caused a severe inflammation in his throat. One night, breathing became very difficult for him. The swelling almost closed his throat entirely. He felt as if he would smother. 
remembering a picture of Saint Bobola given to him by one of his teachers, Francis wrapped the image around his neck and prayed for the saint's intercession, that God might heal him through the merits of the saint. Once again, Francis promised to enter the religious life if he would be cured, after which he fell into an easy slumber. When Francis awoke in the morning, the inflammation was almost completely gone. He was able to breathe easily. On the picture of St. Bobola, there was a stain, as if it was an indication of the favor granted. Francis applied to the Jesuit order and was accepted, but once again, he delayed his promise. Francis' brother Paul died in 1848, and his brother Lawrence committed suicide in 1853. In 1855, a cholera outbreak spread through Spoleto. It claimed the life of Francis' older sister, Mary Louisa, who had been like a mother to him after his mother's untimely death. Mary Louisa was said to be the first victim of the outbreak. The cathedral at Spoleto holds an ancient icon of the Mother of God. As cholera was decimating the city, the icon was carried to the loggia of the cathedral, facing the city square. The icon seemed to bless the city. From the moment it faced the square, no new cases of cholera were reported, and many of the remaining sick were miraculously cured. When the sickness had passed, Spoleto quickly returned back to its old ways. It seems to be a natural desire, after any sort of plague or pandemic, to have a return to normalcy. As such, theaters were reopened, gatherings resumed, and the city did its best to forget the tragic recent past. Francis, too, returned to socializing. The dancer was falling back to his old ways. With the cholera outbreak ended, local clergy and civic authorities of Spoleto organized a procession during which the ancient icon of the Virgin Mary was to be carried through the city. Francis waited in the street as the procession approached. He could hear the chant of the litany as the icon got closer. As it drew near to him, Francis raised his eyes and was met by the gaze of the Blessed Virgin, a gaze which seemed to pierce his heart. At this he heard a locution, an inner voice, as Mary admonished him. Why? Thou art not made for this world. What art thou doing in the world? Hasten, become a religious. The procession passed, and echoes of the crowd faded, but Francis remained there, kneeling, head bowed. A light of clarity filled his heart. He burst into tears. There would be no more desires for fancy clothes and social scenes. He would, at last, fulfill his promises to God. The path was not entirely clear of obstacles. His own father ridiculed the notion of Francis taking up the religious life. Your life has been one of vanity and pleasure, his father said. How would you wear a rough cassock? You who have always been so particular about your clothes. His father said that Francis' desire was nothing but a passing fancy, and that he would soon change his mind and return in disgrace. 
His father enlisted the aid of several relatives to attempt to dissuade Francis from his chosen work, but all of them failed. Francis arrived at the novitiate of the Passionist Order at Mora Valley, Italy, on September 19, 1856. He was just 18 years old. Two days later, he received the habit of the Passionists and a new name, Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows reflecting his great devotion to the Virgin Mary. A year later, Gabriel pronounced his vows. Gabriel was noted to be an excellent student, yet his academic process was outpaced by his spiritual growth. Soon, however, Gabriel began to show signs of tuberculosis. Instead of bargaining as he did in the past, however, Gabriel accepted this burden with a kind of spiritual joy. He prayed for a slow death, so that he would have more time to prepare himself for his passing. He kept his spirits high and continued to work, learn, and pray as before. Gabriel was so inspiring that the other students sought to be with him, despite his illness, even at his deathbed. In his weakened state, Gabriel was tormented by visions, seemingly testing his resolve and purity. From his bed he frowned, staring into an empty place in the room, and asked his spiritual director, Father Norbert, half in anger and half in surprise, How do women enter here? They mustn't be here. Gabriel then exclaimed, O Mary, my mother, chase them away, make them go. At this, Father Norbert sprinkled holy water about the room, which caused the apparitions to dissipate. A short time later, however, Gabriel cried out, How could that woman get in here? Chase her out right away. Oh, my mother, my lady, drive her away. And again the vision ceased, and Gabriel returned to peaceful prayer. In the early hours of February 27, 1862, Gabriel was lying peacefully in bed, clasping an image of Our Lady of Sorrows, which he had kissed and covered in tears, then pressed to his heart. He raised his eyes to heaven and exclaimed, Oh, my mother, make haste, and then calmly prayed, Mother of grace, O Mary blessed, sweet mercy's fount, to thee do we fly. Shield us from harm and take us hence to thy dear bosom when we die. He followed this with the prayers, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I give you my heart and soul. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, assist me in my last agony. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, may I breathe forth my soul in peace with you. Suddenly he sat up in his bed, his face radiant, as he reached toward an unseen figure which had entered the room. He then fell back dead. Father Norbert concluded, Consumed by the ardor of divine love rather than by the violence of disease, comforted and wrapped in ecstasy by the apparition of his heavenly mother, whom he loved with an immeasurable affection, he was sweetly received by her and, laden with merits, left for heaven. Blessed Bernard Mary of Jesus, one of the religious president Gabriel's passing said, So many years am I in the service of God, and yet so backward, while he in so short a time became a saint and has had such a beautiful death. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows was buried near the Passionist Monastery and Church in which he lived and worked. 
He was canonized by Pope Benedict XV in 1920. St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrow's intercession is credited for several miracle healings. Mary Mazzarella, who was so seriously ill with pulmonary tuberculosis and periostitis that she appeared almost skeletal, propped up by pillows and barely breathing. Medical doctors had given up hope. As a last resort, it was suggested she pray for St. Gabriel Pacenti's intercession. She was given some of his relics to hold. After three days, she was healed. Egidius Guagnosi was instantly cured of deafness after praying at St. Gabriel's tomb and then sprinkling some dust from the grave in his ears. Rose Carini lost her sight due to paralysis of the optic nerves. St. Gabriel appeared to her in a dream and invited her to visit his tomb. With the help of her husband, she visited the grave the following day. As they approached, Rose was able to hear hymns being sung in a procession that was headed to the monastery church. Seemingly moved by the pious singing, the woman declared, Well, I am blind now, but on my return I will be able to see. After being led to St. Gabriel's tomb, Rose fell down to her knees, praying and crying. She touched her handkerchief upon the tomb, then brought it to her face to wipe away the tears. As she did this, she asked for vision in just one eye. Cries of joy rang out as the woman opened her left eye to find her sight perfectly restored. Another young woman, Lucy Callisti, went blind due to keratitis, inflammation of the cornea. She was brought to the tomb of St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows to pray for his intercession twice. After the second visit, she was fully cured. Dust from St. Gabriel's grave, along with prayers for his intercession, were credited with the miraculous healing of a man named Francis Di Bernardo. Cancerous syphilis had attacked his body, leaving him bedridden and covered in sores. After the grave dust was applied and prayers were said, he was immediately able to rise and walk. After eight days of prayer, he was completely healed. A 22-year-old man, Francis Marcantonio, was suffering from inflammation of the spleen and other internal organs. He was greatly swollen with edema. After visiting St. Gabriel's tomb and applying some of the grave dust, he was completely cured. There have been many reports of cancer patients in which miraculous cures have been obtained after the patients had mixed dirt from St. Gabriel's tomb with water and washed the affected area of their body. Violanta Moretti was suffering from inflammation of the lungs, considered incurable by doctors. She was being given her last rites, a woman arrived with dust from St. Gabriel's grave. Violanta took the grave dust 
and was instantly healed. Anthony Mancini had been afflicted with horrible arthritis. He had lost the use of his limbs, and due to disuse, his muscles had atrophied. He was brought to St. Gabriel's tomb, bound in a chair, unable to move on his own or even hold himself upright. He was given lodging and brought to the St. Sepulchre the following day. After the resident priest heard Mancini's confession and gave him communion, the poor man continued his prayers to St. Gabriel. Suddenly, in the sight of everyone present, he stood up fully healed and exclaimed, Gabriel, the servant of God, has granted me the favor. Seventy-one-year-old Kechetan Mariani had suffered a bad stroke and was paralyzed in much of his body. He had to drag himself about with a cane. Kechetan had not lived a particularly religious life and had not prayed for help with his condition. One day he had an impulse to go to the monastery church where St. Gabriel was buried. He made a tearful confession to the priest there. Kechetan returned a few days later, fully healed. Not only was his paralysis healed, but a hernia he had suffered from had been instantaneously repaired. There have been many other cases of instantaneous healings of hernias attributed to St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. A young Sicilian man had been drafted into the army, but was opposed to his military service. He prayed for St. Gabriel's intercession. On the day of his physical examination, he suddenly presented a serious hernia, of which there was no previous sign. He was declared unfit for service and was discharged. By the time he reached his home, he found himself in full health once more. Anthony Diagidio, aged nine, had been afflicted with a mysterious illness, which first caused blindness and then violent, painful spasms. Anthony's mother brought him to St. Gabriel's tomb, where he prayed fervently, crying, until he was suddenly overtaken by sleep. He stretched upon the marble slab, and after a time awoke, pain-free and able to see perfectly. St. Gemma Galgani credited the intercession of St. Gabriel for a miraculous healing of her own. Gemma was suffering from a debilitating spinal ailment, which left her bedridden and in constant pain. After she read his biography, St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows appeared to Gemma for nine consecutive nights, placing his hand upon her forehead and praying with her. Then, after confession and receiving communion, Gemma was cured. St. Gemma saw St. Gabriel several more times, saying the saint would visit her on many occasions in order to pray with her and even to protect her from the assaults of the devil. St. Gemma was even given St. Gabriel's tooth, a relic which she greatly treasured. It was said that a certain saloon owner had ridiculed the people who asserted they received cures from St. Gabriel's intercession. He even went so far as to insult and make jokes of St. Gabriel himself. He was then struck dumb and remained unable to speak from that time.
St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows' feast day is February 27th. He is the patron saint of Catholic youth, students, and those studying for the priesthood. There is an apocryphal story of St. Gabriel confronting some marauding soldiers in the town of Isola in the year 1860. The villains had begun to burn the town and were terrorizing the citizens. Gabriel walked into the center of the town, where he found one of the invaders dragging a woman behind him. Gabriel grabbed the man's revolver and ordered him to release the woman, but this drew the attention of the marauder's companions, who came running to his side. A small lizard crossed the road between Gabriel and the soldiers. Gabriel took aim and shot the lizard. Turning his gun upon the soldiers, he ordered them to drop their weapons. Having seen his skill with the pistol, the soldiers complied. Gabriel then ordered the soldiers to extinguish the fires and leave the town, never to return again. This story seems to originate from a 1977 biography of the saint, in which the author admitted to inventing some accounts to enliven St. Gabriel's story. There is no previous record of this story, and in fact, 1860 would have found Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows in the later stages of tuberculosis, making such an effort extremely unlikely. I'd like to thank our new patrons, Sarah, that's Sarah with three S's on Patreon, Charles Davis, Tiger Jin, and Karen Phillips. If you enjoyed this podcast and you would like to support my creations and help me make The Flowered Path, you can become a patron at Patreon, patreon.com slash path. Please make sure to subscribe or follow The Flowered Path wherever you listen to podcasts. Share the shows on social media, and if you are so inclined, please leave us a nice review. I'm just getting this podcast started, and I could use the help. There is also a Flowered Path YouTube channel. Just search The Flowered Path on YouTube. Even if you don't listen to podcasts on YouTube, if you could subscribe to the channel, it would help out. I wanted to talk about the frequency of the shows coming up. I was able to put out these first three shows weekly, as I had researched and recorded them over the summer. Going forward, I'm going to try to get shows out at least every other week, but there may be longer gaps between shows as I put together the research. I ask that you be patient with me and stick with the show. I'm running another podcast at the same time, Strange Familiars, so things are certainly going to get backed up from time to time. But I have been absolutely inspired by the saints, and doing these deeper dives into their lives has been a wonderful experience for me. I love doing research, so as long as folks keep listening, I'll keep going. You can find show notes and my sources for this and every episode at thefloweredpath.com. You can find The Flowered Path on Facebook, facebook.com slash thefloweredpath. You can find The Flowered Path on Instagram, at thefloweredpath, one word. Thanks for listening to The Flowered Path. I'll be back soon with more.